0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Parker Olson of Forage, functional superfood granola backed by science with vital nutrients and tasty flavor. I've been really looking forward to this episode as you'll hear Parker truly lived an entrepreneurial journey. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Parker Olson of Forage. Parker, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: What up, what up, what up?
0: Man, well, yeah, thanks for joining me, and just to kick things off, let's take it back to your upbringing. I know you're in your, uh, maybe your childhood home, I'm not sure, but where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? I am, I'm at the Alma, the Alma
1: house, Alma Mater, Alma house, I'm at my parents' place right now, it was just Mother's Day, so I flew in, surprised, surprised the ma, uh, let's see, I'm the youngest of three, uh, all boys. My parents are from Midwest, but we grew up on the East coast outside of Boston. I feel like middle-class family. Um, let's see. I feel like there, there's some pretty good stories from, from upbringing. Um, there's a favorite one that my mom likes to tell where, uh, so in elementary school, we always used to have like a, like a, like a raffle, you know, like you could buy tickets and then there's like all these items and then you can like buy tickets for items. Yeah. And I was so I was in kindergarten, this is from K K through five. And I was really set on getting the TV and, and like, it was, it was like a four inch by four inch TV. And it was like, it was like the highest priced item. And I was, I was like pumped on it, you know? And typically like a lot of those bigger items, like the older kids are kind of like usually kind of dominate that, that flow. But I, I would wait in the parking lot after, um, after school and I would like approach all the parents and I like had them buy, like, I, I forget, like you could sell stuff for raffle tickets. And I was just yeah. like playing the like cute little kindergartner and I like every day for like four weeks, like just got a ridiculous amount of tickets and like won the TV and, and I just remember it was like, it was like this thing that like my mom still talks about of like other parents were like, is that your son and she's like yeah and they're like oh like do you have him doing this and she's like no he just like really wants the tv and it was this just like you know like desire for this tv that i was willing to just do anything for and i didn't realize it was like socially out of place to just be like approaching all these parents especially yeah. like kind of was kind of like a fifth grader item you know yeah um so that's always kind of a story but you know just being youngest you know i just felt like maybe you know you kind of always got to fend for yourself a little bit and i um you know i was just like didn't really realize some of the social norms that that were there and you know would, would frequently break them um quite often so, so that was kind of upbringing and then you know always was, was sort of a rule breaker um kind of growing up and you know it was kind of an average student average athlete but like very social like really yeah. enjoyed social dynamics in school and like having friends and socializing and whatnot um and then, yeah, you know, started kind of getting into some entrepreneurial pursuits, really in middle school. Um, mm-hmm. So started selling like little, like, you ever play
0: lacrosse? I have, for fun, I have not, for, not okay. at school or anything. Yeah.
1: So you have to like break in a pocket, you know, there's like, it's like the pocket on the head. And yeah. so I was making these little like screwdriver, I would like, I would melt the screwdriver into like lacrosse balls and maybe like pocket Molders, and so I was selling those for a while, oh, wow. um, and all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, that that was sort of kind of some of the upbringing, and just under under kind of two brothers, or early on. Definitely.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, normally, we navigate into your entrepreneurial spirit at an early age, and you obviously already presented that. I'm curious: when you went to Minnesota, did you carry some of these entrepreneurship uh, curiosities with you to school? And what did you end up studying there?
1: yeah yeah so i originally went to school i was was pre-med in neuroscience okay um like so really intrigued uh by neuroscience i'd taken like an ad hoc course through mit back in high school and like fell in love with the concept um and in in college i didn't know anybody so that was part of the draw for me i went to a place i went to the university of minnesota i didn't know anyone and the first kid i met what became like really clear to me about him was that he was making lots of money over Twitter. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? Yeah. And he was kind you know, he like kind of like flex about it, but like, didn't want to talk too much about it. And finally, like he kind of shows me right. so like he was building these Twitter accounts up and he was using other big accounts to do it. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you start putting out good content, you get bigger accounts to reshare your content, you gain their followers, and then it starts to build over time. And then you trade with like similar size accounts and that builds. Yeah. And then you're like funneling traffic to, you know, typically like an advertising type site. Um, And then, you know, you're kind of working from there and making, you know, mostly ad money. Sometimes you can sponsor products, whatever. (laughs) And so I was like, dude, like when you told me that, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I was like, I will give you every dollar I have to my name to like help me do this for an account. Like, get, build, help me build an account to 100,000 followers. Yeah. And like he, you know, you can tell like he had never been approached like this, and I was like, "I will give you every single dollar I have." <laughs> so I gave him three thousand two hundred and sixty-seven dollars at the time, like two weeks into freshman year, and that like really started it. And we we wow. helped me build up this Twitter account, and I, I forget how much I like in total made off of it. Like maybe like twenty-five k. I don't know. That's yeah, pretty good. Pretty good ROI. That's awesome. Yeah, um, but ultimately that. You know, it required being on Twitter every 15 minutes to like trade reshares, and I became pretty unenticed by it. And I think it still exists, but I, it just sort of sunsetted. It was it was called "Shit Your Parents Say" at, at the time.
0: Wow. So yeah, diving in more to that, um, what did the exit say look like for yourself? Like, what made you decide like I want to move away from this, pursue something else? Because you're making good money while in school. Uh, so what did that look like?
1: Yeah, you know, I I wish I had been a little bit smarter (laughs) i didn't get smarter until a little bit later in life but i don't know it it, it was the first time in life where i felt anxiety Mm. that was the first time where it was like every 15 minutes like i have to go on and like address this and dm these people and like trade reshares and then like make sure an advertisement's working and i kind of was like not super passionate about this doesn't feel super great like sending people sending traffic to these websites with advertisements on them it was like top 10 college party schools you know yeah um so i don't know it really came down to just a lack of personal interest and like it just mentally i wasn't there and i you know for me the money wasn't worth it um yeah. i was not i wasn't you know I, I still don't think i'm super monetarily driven but i definitely wasn't as as much back then and so
0: you know found another job definitely <laughs> So, uh, following your time at Minnesota then, and prior to Forage, what kind of jobs were you working then?
1: Yeah, so I mostly worked at the summer camp um, over the summer. That, that was like my big source of income every year, and so that, so that was some of my most valuable time. So, it was a sleepaway camp I grew up at. Um, and then during the school year, I did all sorts of kind of random stuff, so I like an easy layup for me was, was lifeguarding, um, so I, I did some tutoring some like uh, teacher assistant type stuff. So just kind of anything that I could kind of casually do and, and would work into the schedule. Um, and so yeah, it wasn't nothing too, nothing that I was too passionate about. Again, I just wish I had like found an, a passion earlier in life, you know, kind of like yourself, man, and, and just been like, all right, we're going all in. Like that sort of advice is just like, you gotta like figure out what you love to do and just like really dive all in.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, exiting there. Um. Were you at the summer camp then following your school years too? Like what was the full-time mm-hmm. job? What was that scope looking like for you prior to Forage?
1: Yeah. So I, I discovered this program that our school offered sophomore year and it was called consulting enterprise semester. So, so basically it was actually a program for MBA students.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and part of the job getting your MBA at the university of Minnesota is like they said, Hey, will give you real life client facing experience through what they refer to as enterprises. And so local companies hire out the MBA talent and this one, this consulting enterprise, it was like strategy consulting and there's, there's groups of five. And so if you go to grad school there, like you get to participate in this and like actually work with a real client who's paying you for your time and work. Mm-hmm. And they also accept 10 undergraduates every single year. Wow. And so I like heard about this and it just sounded really cool. And I was starting to learn about consulting. And at that point I had transitioned. I was a finance and entrepreneurship major and I was minoring in neuroscience and was like, you know, I'm not into really anything finance related. did. Doesn't feel super authentic to me. But this consulting thing sounds interesting. Like in my mind, it was like consulting teaches you how to solve problems and then you become, you know, a weapon, essentially yeah. like a career weapon. And then you can go anywhere because and everybody needs people who can solve problems. Yeah. And so I saw that as like a massive opportunity. So I like met with everybody in the program, anybody who was running the program and like really was like, I'm, I would do anything to be at this program. And so it's very grateful they let me in. And that's how I really got into like my interest in consulting. I got a summer internship in consulting my junior summer after kind of I parted ways with the camp, although I kind of regret that. I wish I had gone back to the camp another summer and then um You know, had had a good time that summer and it kind of solidified the interest for me. It's like, this is cool. Like you look at different things and you just have the time and space to help people solve their problems. Yeah. Um, And a lot of it is, you know, communication and, you know, client-facing base. So I I really liked, really liked that. Um, So that was kind of up until junior summer and then go back to to school. Um, And then I actually, yeah, I studied abroad my last uh, semester in in college, and right before that, I you know was applying for full time jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And are are you familiar with like MBB at all?
0: I don't, I don't think so.
1: So MBB refers to the three companies in management consulting. It's McKinsey, Bain, and BCG. Okay. BCG meaning Boston Consulting Group. And those are like the elite tier of uh, management <laughs> consulting companies. And so I you know, interviewed there and I went final round at all three and didn't get an offer from any of them. And I I literally think that's like the last time I cried, honestly, like (laughs) devastated, bro. Yeah. Because those like those are the types of companies where like you have that on your resume, like not only do you get paid super well, you get to travel, but like you can literally go anywhere in your career after. Um, And so, you know, I got a couple offers from some other smaller, you know, more like, I guess what I consider more tier two firms. And at that point, I really wanted to go out west. So I, I took an offer with uh, Grant Thornton and their strategy practice out in Seattle. To more so, just get out west and like, it's like, okay, I'm still doing this thing. I'm still interested. You know, it isn't exactly where I want it to be, but it still is along that path. Um, so, so that was kind of how I navigated, you know, college and 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 how I initially got out to Seattle post post college.
0: I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Parker's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's midbreak sponsor, Brightech bright tech offers high quality indoor and outdoor lighting at a very affordable price starting small just relocated to los angeles and we received one of bright tech slams and it's completely changed the look of our studio i highly recommend bright tech for your home studio office or outdoor setting and make sure to check them out at Brighttech.com and use code starting small for 15% off and enjoy the rest of the episode so i'm curious uh forge comes in the midst of the pandemic um with your time working where you were at the time, did you notice something in your diet, or what was the problem that you experienced to then branch off to create your own CPG brand with uh, Forage moving forward? Yes. Yeah,
1: is is this a leading question, or
0: yeah. an honest one? <laughs> uh, b- both.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it started, I guess, it started, you know, conceptually before COVID. So okay. I'm working this job, I'm working at Grant Thorne Thornton. At first, it's like pretty fun, and after about like eight months, I kind of was like, okay. Like, I'm not, don't feel super challenged anymore and, and it's becoming restless at work. And like, I'm a rule breaker, man. Like, I'm like, I need something to be like taking up my energy or I start to like break the rules and just entertain myself. It's it's not always good. Yeah. And so at, you know, I'm at work and I'm like lacking autonomy. Like, I'm like, I don't have to be, you know, it's like a Tuesday and I like don't have anything, you know, I've done all my work for that week and I just have to like be at the office because that's like what you have to do. And so I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't want to be here. And yeah. so I lacked and really seek some of that like autonomy. Like, I needed some of that back. Mm-hmm. And um so what I started to do was I, I figured you know you know it would be really interesting is like I'm going to just try going vegan for 30 days. Like it was something to do. Like it was something that I thought would be entertaining and fun. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like yeah you know, I'm doing it. Like whatever. And so uh, you know i vegan for 30 days and you know kind of sucks for a bit and then after about like 17 or so days like my body adjusted, and it became a lot easier, and I was like, "Ooh, this like I feel really good, and it was the first time I've ever like looked at what I was eating,
0: mm. so I was like oh, that
1: was kinda cool, and then when that month ended, I was like, You know what I'll do it again, yeah, but this time, you know I'm gonna try being fully keto, so I did that kind of similar like seven fifteen to seventeen days, it was like that was a transition period, and then I started to feel pretty good, and I went through that, and I did stuff like that for eighteen months, so I tried like the whole thirty diet, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, whole thirty, like keto, gluten free. Um, there's several others, and then started kind of bleeding over into different lifestyles. So like one month, I ended up sleeping outside in a tent for a month. Wow. Um, another one, you know, it was like, all right, I'm gonna journal every single day. And one of them, um, and well, kind of in the midst of while I was doing that, you know, okay, I noticed like a eating whole food ingredients makes me feel super good. So again, that was kind of an initial takeaway. Mm-hmm. The second takeaway was like, I liked actually a lot of the diets, but some of them I didn't like super align with my lifestyle. And it was like, all right, I know this is only 30 days. So the second takeaway was like, okay, like I need to find a, sort of a diet or a nutritional regimen. It's probably a more, you know, realistic term. Yeah. That really like, you know, you could do, you know, for a long period of time. Because as soon as you switch some of those nutritional regimens, like you feel like crap for, for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and during that time I, you know, was trying to explore Seattle and something I noticed was that there are a ton of like apothecaries all over the place. Have you do you know okay. what an apothecary yeah. is? Yeah. What is it? Let's you can just define it for your listeners.
0: I, I can't define it like as you could, but isn't it they don't they grow off it's an ingredient that grows off trees, correct?
1: Well so an apothecary is, is like what I what I envision when I think of an apothecary is like where witches like brew tonics like uh, okay
0: that's what like, my mind was going to
1: they sell like natural remedies and like crystals oh and, i like, see stuff like that and so i i finally like stopped at one of these places in seattle because i was like what the fuck is this thing <laughs> like, and this seems this literally seems like apothecaries should have gone out of the business in like medieval times you know yeah so i go in and they're like, hey, you know, are you new here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of exploring. And they're like, okay, we're teaching a class in two days, and it's on adaptogens and tonics. And I was like, okay, that's so witchcrafty. it Like, it pains me. So I'm coming. Like, I'm I'm so curious now. So I show up, and they serve us this tea. And long story short, the, the tea had a type of you know medicinal or functional mushroom in it, reishi. And I just felt awesome. The facts like was pretty mind blowing. I was like, felt really calm and relaxed. And like, I was like, man, this is all from mushroom. Like, that's really interesting. Yeah. And so that's when I really got into like functional mushrooms, you know, natural remedies, medicinal mushrooms. And you know, that was really the trigger point for me. I was like, damn, those things are real. And so then I started doing a ton of research. I joined our local mushroom club. I got into mushroom foraging. I sat there on the board for a year and a half. Wow. Um, and just like was all in and I was like, okay, I am like fully, I'm a huge believer in the power of these mushrooms from a health standpoint. Like I've seen it myself, you know, how do I get these into people's diets? And that's really how Forage kind of started. It was like going through this dieting, like this journey with nutrition, this intrigue with nutrition and then really landing on like, okay, whole food eating and like these mushrooms. And so that was kind of like the, kind of the initial sort of kindling for, for Forage, yeah.
0: Definitely. Uh, what did that R&D process look like then, taking mushrooms and functional ingredients to formulate uh, what we know as you're selling granola now? Uh, what did that look mm-hmm. like from your point of view?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of messing around with it for a long time. You know, I was doing oatmeal for a while and then started to kind of, you know, I was just doing different things. Like I put it in nut mixes and it wasn't great. You know, it was just like taking mushroom powders and throwing it in anything.
0: Yeah. And then, you
1: know, I'd bring it into work and I was just like getting people at work to try it and I'd print out surveys and then I was just like showing up at local cafes and I'd be like, all right, try my stuff. And then, um, you know, I went to the startup conference in Oakland with a friend and, you know, I just was going to see him. I wasn't that interested in the conference and yeah. And a random angel investor I'm chatting with, like, oh, what do you do? And so I made it up, I was like, oh, like we do like the first like mushroom infused food products, like trying to get mushrooms into people's diets. And he was like, whoa, that's really cool. And I was Uh like, yeah, it is, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like totally lying. Yeah. And so he's like, send me your pitch deck. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll send it to you like, no problem. Like literally went home, like went onto fiverr.com Had somebody create a logo, like built the pitch deck i used to work a lot on powerpoint and then sent it to him and at that point i was like okay i better take this thing a little more seriously
0: yeah and that's like really how we we kind of got into it um wow at at first (laughs) so i'm curious how did that relationship evolve and was this a really crucial standing point for forage longevity
1: yeah i mean no i mean it didn't it kind of fizzled out over a couple months he was he was just like oh he's like i think i have a friend who'd be really interested in this and that you know that was going on and while that was going on like I was just going around trying to sell it. I was like, okay, I might as well show him that I'm selling this thing. Yeah. You know? And so that then I started kind of selling it and then iterating and then it just like spiraled out of control from there. And we got some initial investment and my brother works in the food industry. So he was kind of was chatting with him about it and sourcing ingredients and, you know, I, and then at that point it was like, Ooh, like. I'm just like, this is fun. You know, like this yeah. is like, this is the thing that like my soul, like it, not bored particularly, but something I'm passionate about that you can just like build and focus on. And at that point, like I was cheating on my work pretty hard and I cheated on work for, you know, about a year. I tell everybody that I'm like, if you really want to be an entrepreneur, like you should cheat on work. Like don't quit your job, like just cheat on work yeah. for a while, you know?
0: Yeah. Make, make sure. <laughs> Definitely. So, so uh, in those early days, um... Where did you go for production and packaging? Uh, I know you might've yeah. been making it yourself, but how did you evolve from there?
1: Yeah, so I, a couple guys that I had become friends with in Seattle, cause I didn't know anybody in Seattle either. I kept noticing, they kept posting on Instagram like this one brand and I'm like, okay, they have to know these founders. Like, like, like you could tell it was like, yo, like the homies X brand, it was called Joe's Chocolate Co. And so I finally yeah. reached out and was like, hey, like, do you know Joe? And they're like, no dude, like, But I know, you know, I know Peter who owns Joe Co. and I was like, okay, can you connect us? Like I've got this thing I'm working on and they're like, sure. So then he was the one who was like, okay, like here's where you can get packaging locally, like here's maybe where we could bake. And for a while we were just baking in our kitchen and then we were renting space at like a local cafe out of pizza ovens and then like went to a commercial kitchen and then moved into a co-manufacturer and like scaled up from there. But it was really like Peter who was super helpful early on to be like, I'd call and I'd just be like, dude, how do you do this and he'd be like all right and he was just such a good you know teacher and he'd be like okay like here's dude like here's what you're going to do like google this like look at wow. this like i'll send you this guy's name you know and it's always people like that that, that kind of make the difference and actually peter Definitely. and i are, are going to sail around catalina island this upcoming weekend so we're like good buddies now, that's which awesome is, which is awesome yeah it's
0: amazing Well, uh, in the early days there, I'm curious, what were some of your main marketing strategies and some of the stuff I see on LinkedIn also? uh, I love watching the guerrilla marketing you do. I know you go to retail, uh, some of the plain, actually, experiences you have done. Uh, Yeah, fun. What are some of your strategies that uh, really market well for Forage?
1: Yeah, I mean, early on, like, you know, there wasn't, that's like right when COVID hit. Yeah. Like right when we were creating a package product and that's that was, it was like, I have no idea what to do. You know, and so, you know, it was giving away samples, it was going to local cafes, it was showing up a cafe at cafes sampling product, sampling, you know, trying to sample product where I could. But at that time when COVID was hitting, like all that stuff got stopped. And so then it was like, okay, maybe we should move on to digital marketing. Um, you know, I'd send it to like my friends who were like micro influencers. And it was challenging when we had no money and you and it was height of COVID. You couldn't do anything. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, now like yeah, I'm very intrigued and interested in guerrilla marketing, for sure. Yeah. And for, you know, it just brings me joy. Like, so I think what you're referencing is like, I whenever I fly on airplanes, I'll like do product giveaways where like, I walk around the plane with product and a sign and people give me their seat numbers. And then like, I, a couple of, <laughs> a couple of, um, flight attendants have let me like get on the loudspeaker and like announce the winner and wow. like, dude, it, it's hella fun. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I live or I lived or I am living out of like a, out of a van and it's branded in our branding. And so I was, you know, driving around the country for a while and like showing up at grocery stores and, you know, it's just like, I think it's really easy to get caught up and think, okay, how do we market this product to everybody ever, you know, like, how do we scale? And I like to take kind of, you know, the opposite approach of like, okay, like you just got to get one customer at a time and like customers react to authenticity and to like sharing a story and really connecting on a personal level and having a conversation. And so that's a lot of, you know, what we do. And and it's really helped us learn more about our messaging and our, and our positioning and
0: kind of more along those lines. Definitely. Well, I'm curious, you mentioned uh, living out of the van, Uh, logistically, what does your life look like as the founder then? I know you go to retail stores a lot, make those relationships. Where do you work from? Uh, What does that look like?
1: Yeah, cafes. Starbucks is a lifesaver. I shower at Planet Fitness. It's awesome. And it's just, it's literally an hour by hour process, you know, because you're like, okay, like I'm going to go do work here and then I'm going to go to this store and then I'm going to do go work out. And then, like, you know, you go work somewhere and like they don't have Wi Fi or they don't have outlets, you know, and you're uh, like, oh, fuck. Okay, now I got to go find somewhere else. And you're like, go somewhere else. And you're like, well, I'm actually closer to this store now. So I'm going to go here now instead. Okay, but like, now I can't work out till later. And then you're like, wait, I haven't eaten all day. Like I need to, I'm starving. Yeah. Like I need to go eat something, you know? <laughs> and so it's it's pretty chaotic, but it's fun, man. It's, you know, you get to see a lot of the country and see friends. And so. Definitely. It's your time. I'm sleepy mostly time now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm curious with some of the consumer feedback you've received with the guerrilla marketing and some marketing strategies, what would you say is the main demographic if you can depict that?
1: Yeah, we kind of have two segments that we're working through right now mm-hmm. in terms of how to prioritize. So one is like more of this aging population. So it's like aging, you know, they're kind of relooking at their at their kind of health and just trying to like really in my mind like stay healthier for longer. Yeah. And so, you know, we just make really clean products with these mushrooms um and and these mushrooms like have a lot of anti-inflammatory capabilities. So we see that being an intriguing point. Um and then it's more for like more like young professionals or kind of like younger married couples who are starting, you know, just like intrigued in health, have a disposable income, like are making proactive selections about keeping themselves healthy. And it's more that younger demo. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the two um, demographics that that we're seeing right now. Definitely.
0: Well, I like to conclude each episode with this. Uh, If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regrets along the way, what would you say that would be?
1: It's a good question I, I I like the I like the cheat on your job one because I don't think <laughs> people talk about it you know like I just chat with a lot of younger entrepreneurs who are like okay like I've quit my job like I have three months savings like I, I know I won't make money for the three months but then I'll start making money and I'll be able to pay myself and I'm like dude I'm like don't don't rely on that you know I've, it's been I don't know a year and a half for me that I haven't paid myself yeah I, I still have a part-time job okay from my old job so, so this old job I was in I I left, um, but there was a client that I stayed on retainer with that I still work with. Okay, and so I still like have you know a job, and I don't and I don't feel pressure to like take money out of the business, and I can still like be a human. Yeah, um, and you know it's about balancing and it's about time management and and that. But I also actually kind of like the other job. Like it's fun. It kind of brings me back to reality sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's like you know cheat on your job. Like if you're really interested in starting a company, like okay, like go and find a job where like you can scale your time and it's like you can provide great value to that job and do your job, Mm -hmm. you know, in 10 hours a week, and then you can use that other 30 to build something on the side.
0: Definitely. Um, So. Amazing. Well, Parker, thanks for taking the time to join me and to the listeners out there. Make sure to check out Forage at Forage.co. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Starting Small. I want to say thank you to our closing sponsor, Nuzzle. Nuzzle pillows offer two adjustable inner layers that support your neck and cradles your head no matter how you sleep. So make sure to check them out at mynuzzle.com and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small.